שבכל הלילות איננו מטבילין אפילו פעם אחת, אפילו פעם אחת, הלילה הזה, הלילה הזה, שתי פעמים, הלילה הזה, הלילה הזה, שתי פעמים. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another episode of Shawalim Dersh Mishosh Miyom. Today is the ninth in our quest to learning all about the holiday of Pesach. And right now, we are going to start with Mishnah Psachim Perak Dalid Mishnah Beis. Let's start now. So we had been talking about when somebody travels to another community. And we know many different communities and many different Minhagi, many different customs. And so what happens when you have your own customs and then you go to a place where they have their own customs? So let's talk about that. Kiyotsibo. Similarly, we're not just gonna gonna give a little bit of introduction. So about Shvius, we know that every seventh every seventh year there is something called the Shemitah year, Karvashat Shnata Shmita. And one of the halachos of of the Shemitah year is something called Bior, which is the removal of Shvius produce from somebody's house at the end of the season. So at the end of the season, any Shemitah, any Shvius produce that you have in your house, you have to you have to you have to if it was picked, you have and it was stored in your house. You have to um, remove it. But when do you start removing it? Once there's nothing left of that kind in the field. Once its season is over, so to speak, and nothing of its species is left, then you have to remove it. So, So, if if say somebody is has if somebody brings their crops of shvis from a place where 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 the, his crops or her crops ran out to a place where they didn't run out because they wanted to change their halacha. Or if they brought it from a place where it didn't run out to a place where they did run out, well, where, do, where do they hold by? of Levire. You are you are obligated to, to do beer on it. Why? Because it's, it says that the beer obligation is determined by the availability of the produce in the location, in the location where the produce grew. So if the person... If the person ran from the place where they would have to get rid of it, then they have to get rid of it. If they ran away from the place where they wouldn't have to get rid of it to a place where they would have to get rid of it, they wouldn't have to go get rid of it. It all goes after, it all goes after the place where the produce grew. So Rabbi Yehuda says, "Omrimlo afata." So Rabbi Yehuda says that each species is treated independently. So so go, go you could take out the pickled vegetables independently. You might be wondering to yourself, what pickled vegetables? That's a good question, because the Mishnah doesn't actually explicitly state anything about pickled vegetables in the first opinion. But essentially, what is explained by explained out by Ravadia Bartanura is that the first case is implying and is implying uh that included in it is a case of when multiple species are pickled together. You know, my my great grandfather, my Zaidi, my Zaidi Flam, who we had a we had a, a dedication video to him in one of the first videos of Shalom Adorshim. He actually had a he had a pickling business as a side job as a doctor. He had a pickling business, and he used to he used to pay he used to um, give out some pickles to his patients. But in those giant in those giant buckets of of pickling liquid and pickled and brine and vinegar, a lot of times they would they would instead of spending a lot of vinegar and water and sugar to make many different barrels. They would just have an assorted assorted um, vegetable barrel. And in that assorted vegetable barrel, you might ask what happens if there's if there's shmita produce, if there's shvi's produce, that, again, you have to get rid of it once it's not in season. And so apparently it's implied from the first Tana's opinion that the first Tana's of the opinion that if you have this pickled mishkebabble of many different vegetables, then once these vegetables are no longer found in the fields, then you 
then 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 nothing happens. You have to wait until all of the vegetables. It's how is this implied? Because apparently there's some plural language. It says um, it says shelo kalu plural, talking about many different species. At least that's that's how Ravadi Bartunur explains it. But essentially, what's going on is is the first Tana, by implication, is holding that you have to wait until all of the vegetables are no longer found in the field, and then you could dump out that barrel. However, the second Tana says that as each of the vegetables are not are no longer found in the field, you individually pluck them from the barrel. So a little bit of a differing opinion there. Okay, so here's some background. So there is a commandment to let animals rest on Shabbos. We are humane people as Jewish people. We are humane people. And so therefore, if we're getting a Shabbos, so are the animals. Same thing. People talk about the the, the seven and, and Shemitah, like we just referenced. That's maybe why I remember we talk about it's very interesting to follow the thought process of the, of the of the Mishnah. And so maybe that's why these two are linked, because we were just talking about Shemitah, which is also called it's also called um Sha'am Shabbos for the for the trees. Because we, we also say that every seventh the trees have to rest. And just like that, the Torah commands us that that on Shabbos, the animals have to rest. The animals don't work on Shabbos as well. However, if you would if you would lend animals to, to, to people who aren't Jewish, who don't keep the Shabbos on Shabbos, then naturally they're going to make these animals work on Shabbos. And that would be a big problem. And so and so a lot of people had different ways of dealing with it. In a place where they used to sell really small animals to, to, to people who weren't Jewish, Mochrin, um, you should sell it. There's not really a problem with that. First of all, because it's selling and not lending. The problem with lending is that when you lend something to to somebody, it's still considered yours, right? So, so it's still considered an animal that that has to that has to be treated with Jewish law. And the Jewish law says that the animal is not allowed to work on Shabbos. And so, if you lend, then somebody who isn't Jewish is actively vi- violating something that your animal has to keep this halacha because your animal is owned by you. However, if you sell it, there's not really much of a problem. The only problem with selling, really, is that if you sell, as we'll see later in the Mishnah, people might assume that you're able to, just like you're able to sell, you're able to lend, you're able to rent, which obviously you're not. But either way, it just says, if you if you want to sell these small animals who don't really do so much work, whatever, go ahead. However, we never hold that you're able to sell Nobody holds that you're able to sell a large animal, and 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 what's the reason for this? The reason is, is because is because people will people will think that the line will become blurry, and people will think, oh well, just like you can sell you can sell the big animals, they they won't make the distinction. Not everybody's so well versed in the halacha to know not to rent out these large animals. And then it says it doesn't make a difference. Agalim v'sayachim, ashleimin v'shvurin. It doesn't make a difference even if they're babies, because again, people won't notice even if they're baby animals. People won't think about the halacha to understand, even even though baby animals don't really do so much work. Whether they're healthy or whether they have a, a, some some defects, again, people won't really notice. However, Rehuda, Matir Bishvur, Rabbi Yehuda, says that that, uh, that uh, an animal that's disabled is not going to be working in the fields for everybody to see. So uh, no, nobody's going to be like, oh, so we are allowed to rent animals because because Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that these animals aren't going to be in the fields because they're going to be working, they're going to be doing other things. Ben Becerra Amati Besus. However, Ben Becerra, Ben Becerra, which we know is the is is a is is actually referring to another Tana. I can't really think. I can't really think on my head what what his other name is. But Ben Becerra is allowing you to do with a with a horse. Why? Because a horse doesn't really like pull wagons or plow fields. But what a horse does is carries, and and to carry a person on Shabbos is not considered is not considered work. 
Next and final Mishnah. Sorry, today is a little bit long. Now we're talking about Korban Pesach. And we know that there is an issue of Marasai. And we were just talking about in the last Mishnah that you don't want to have people see something and think the wrong thing. You know, the classic case of Marasai, again, it's kind of bad because it's not even a good case, is that if you walk into McDonald's, which everybody knows is not kosher, and you see a Hasidish guy, so maybe people will think, oh, maybe this McDonald's is really kosher and I can eat it. Right? Or they will think, hey, maybe this Jewish person doesn't keep kosher, that's so bad. Obviously, a McDonald's is a completely different case, because in a McDonald's, everybody knows a McDonald's is not kosher. It's the it's their poster boy of being not kosher. But an, an example, a better example would be like an individual restaurant that has like a that has like a questionable hashgacha and then a, a rav. If a rav would walk in, that would be marasayin. Even to go to the bathroom, that would be considered marasayin. So now we're going to talk about some marasayin where, where you're eating roasted meat at the Pesach Seder. You know, you want to save your best meat. You want to save your best meat for Pesach. And and so and so some people, they would eat and some people, they wouldn't eat this roasted meat, for, this roasted meat at the Seder night for Pesach. And why wouldn't they eat? Because there's an iser against eating the Korban Pesach outside of Yerushalayim. And if somebody sees you eating roasted meat on the Seder night, they're going to put two and two together. They're going to think, remember we, we spoke in previous shirim, that you're only able to eat, that you're only able to, to make the Korban Pesach if it's roasted. And people will think that you're eating the Korban Pesach outside of Yerushalayim, which is not allowed. Again, not true that that, that, that's, that that was necessarily what you're doing, but people will think that and you don't want to do Marasayan. So this last part of the mission is going to talk about um, about a way to, to discourage marital relations, which is one of the thing, things that is usher on Yom Kippur. And so how do they dis- how do they discourage this? In a place where they had a minag, where they had the custom, in order to light candles, they should light it as order, in order to discourage it. And why would this discourage people? Because apparently you're not able to have marital relations in an illuminated place, and and so and so a couple won't have won't have relations on on Yom Kippur night if it's an illuminated place. However, the second opinion, the second day, is saying that if a husband and wife can't see each other, they're not going to have relations. And then the Mishnah finishes up to say, And all these public places, obviously, um, you can light you can light the light without a concern of which. Which which opinion you're going after? Because nobody's gonna have a relation in a public in a public place. And actually, interestingly, this verse Israel says that there would be no reason for for the for the Mishnah to tell us that you can light a light here because you can do whatever you want. Nobody's gonna be having relationships. It's a public place. So this verse Israel says that we learn out from here that you should really be lighting candles in order to get yourself excited about Yom Kippur. And I hope that you are excited because now one day closer to the holiday of Pesach. Have a wonderful day. That was my pen again. I'm sorry.